Hello, and welcome to the Bold Truth Podcast. Today, we're with Amy Techverk, and we're going to be talking about personal discernment. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Bold Truth Podcast, hosted by Ryan Frampton and Luke Osberg, shining the light of truth and all the BS of the world. Let's get thinking from BS to Bold Truth. Hello, and welcome, uh, Amy. How are you doing this evening? Oh, so good. A little tired, but I'm vibing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, Can you just tell us just a little bit about yourself, Uh, maybe just a small portion of your personal faith journey, as well as uh, why you are uh, excited or ready to talk about your own personal discernment? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I was really uh, not into my faith when I came up to Carol, right? I was just like the checking the boxes type of Catholic, right? So you know, going to to mass on Sundays and things like that, um, and like confession every six months or whatever. Um, But I was born and raised uh, Catholic. I always went to Catholic school. So I was not excited originally to be going to another private Catholic school, you know, because that's three for three. And I was like, ah. Um, But then I had so much free time my freshman year because this was like COVID times, right? And so they had no opportunities to do anything besides mass. And so I was like, I could go to mass or I could watch another YouTube video. But I really like had plumbed the depths of YouTube at this point. So I was like, I should just go to Mass. So I, I started going to daily Mass. And just in that, I really felt that Jesus was asking something of me. And I didn't quite know what. And I'm still honestly not sure exactly how to describe it. Um, but I just couldn't stop going to Mass, right? So I just kept coming back and kept coming back and actually started like going to confession regularly and just like really trying to learn more about my faith. And in that, discovering that God is actually asking more of my heart, right, in maybe possible religious vocation. Um, and I just think that it's really, really important to share this with everyone because it allows them to like explore those depths of their own heart, right? Because if someone else is open about like their discernment story or like their vocation, then they feel more comfortable to share something like with their part of their lives or ask questions about their own lives of what is God asking of me? And they might not have asked that otherwise. So what do you think is like a central aspect of discernment vocation? Um, because I, I think a lot of people just go uh, more casually in their life and don't put any effort towards it. And they kind of make their own assumption like, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be married without actually X or like whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So like, what is that discernment, uh, th- that, that missing component that a lot of people miss? I think the thing that people miss the most is like actually taking the time to pray about it, right? Because it's a conversation between you and God, the discernment of your vocation right? Because he slowly reveals the things in your heart that you didn't know about yourself. And so if you don't take the time to pray or like to get to know him, right? And he won't, like he's not going to have a way to be able to get to know you, right? If you don't mm-hmm. open your heart to him. And so just by praying is I think the best way to discern your vocation, which is like kind of like, ah, oh, you know, that's what everyone says, but it's actually true. Yeah. Right. Um, you brought up an interesting subject that I want to shed light on. You said uh, God wants this wants us to to talk to us about what we truly want um i've heard it before that uh, we don't really know what we want but that since god knows us best then he's gonna show us what we actually want because he knows what we actually want um have you experienced this kind of in your life too just in i guess understanding desire and like what the will truly wants to will Yes. So I guess I'll like take it broadly in like my own discernment and then just like maybe some more specific examples in my own life. Um, When I first started Carol, I was pre-med, right? And I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. 
um, and go to medical school and all those things. And, you know, I suppose I'll get married along the line and like have kids because that's the thing that you do. Um, but I just really would like to help people. And that would be really, really sweet if I could. Um, but then in my discernment of God opening up my heart to him and me opening up my heart to him, I really found so much peace in my discernment process and in like this religious vocation that I have. Um, and so it's just by following that peace, I think. Right. And then I guess some more like specific examples of God knowing the desires of my heart before I know the desires of my heart. So sometimes there'll be days where I'm like, ah, like there's like this inkling in the back of my head. Like I should go pray right now, you know? And like, that's kind of what I want, but I'm like, ah, I'm going to go put that off. You know, I'm going to go study or like read a book or something else. And then I just feel so unfulfilled in that reading that book, you know, of not following Jesus asking me to just spend like 10 minutes in the chapel with him, you know? So you just, you experience that broadly in the discernment of your vocation, but also just like in different specific circumstances throughout the day, I think too. Yeah. uh, Luke and I are in a discernment group here at Carroll together um, for priesthood, obviously. And uh, a lot of what we talk about is like, you have to get yourself right first before actually going through like the, the discernment process. Like the goal first for us is to become good men of Christ before we decide what direction. Was that like an aspect that you had to work on or think about in your own discernment process? You were I, talking about that piece that you found. Was that a part of that? I think so. Um, thinking back on it when I first started discerning, I felt that God was calling me to something and I just didn't know what. Um, and then just exploring that, but then realizing in that exploration that like, I was just so far away from like, I guess, God, right? In that way of just being checking the boxes type of Catholic Right. Um, and not knowing a whole lot about my faith of just like, oh, there is like these things in my life that I need to work on. Right. And that I need to uh, learn how to do better with Jesus and he'll help me, of course, you know, but like setting my mind on that path. And then in that your discernment kind of just blossoms on its own. Right. Your vocation kind of just comes to on its own. It doesn't necessarily always require a really, really specific type of effort in that. Like as if you're pursuing Christ, he's going to guide you, you know, in your perfection along the path he wants you to go. That discernment. Um, also, just on the subject too, uh, it was like being in a, a good state to hear discernment. I don't know if, if it's always necessary at the same time. Like you see in the Gospels, the example of Matthew, um, where uh, he's a tax collector. He's an obvious sin, mm-hmm. um, and Jesus still calls him out, and immediately he follows him. Um, so you can you can have elements of discernment even being outside of that uh, trust for Christ. And that just comes from the grace of God. Uh, ultimately, it seems that God's going to reveal uh, our deepest desire to us when He when He's ready for us to know. Uh, you just can't really change much about that. Would you say so, Amy? I would say so because that, like, the vocational call is what drew me back to my faith, right? It wasn't like what Ryan was saying of, like, oh, you become, like, a man of Christ in your guys' case, and then you discern, right? I was like, oh, Jesus is asking something of my heart oh, I should actually probably come back to my faith and like actually practice it the way that he's asking me to, you mm-hmm. know? So it was kind of more like the call of Matthew in my case, right? Mm-hmm. But each vocational call is different. So I think it always helps to hear other people's stories, but just knowing that like their stories are never going to be the same as yours. Mm-hmm. What do you say about people who may say like, are you sure about this? Like, what if you're wrong? What if you've discerned wrong and you're actually supposed to get married and you're wasting your time doing this or whatever? Right. 
so I definitely encountered a lot of that, especially with my family members and things uh, at the beginning of my discernment process, right? Like, oh, it's just a phase, you know, you'll grow out of it like you do in most things in college or whatever. She's just freaking out. It's COVID. It's Carol. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I've just keep pursuing like this thing. I have a deep knowing in my heart that this is what Jesus is asking of me, you know, at this moment in time, right? Because nothing's finalized until you take final vows or things like that. Um, but... I actually had a conversation with Luke earlier on of that if Jesus is calling me into this thing only to call me out, like how he did with Mother Teresa, say, for example, right? And I make a fool of myself, like that's okay, right? If he's asking me to make a fool of myself for him, anything for him, you know, like that's, I need to be humbled. And if that's how he wants to humble me, you know, and make me grow closer to him, then I'm perfectly fine with that because it's all part of his plan and he'll lead me to sanctity through me making a fool of myself in that. Yeah, that's beautiful. It, that, just saying that I've been reflecting on this recently, um, I words from Father Mark, he said, uh, God wants us to trust him more than he wants us to know what we're supposed to do. Um, and so it's like just being that ultimate trust of just saying, I'm just going to go along with this because I trust you, Lord. And it's, it's, it seems like a good decision. It seems like we're calling me to. And if you leave me someplace beyond this, it's going to be a good thing. And I just trust you more than I trust that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, when you admit that, too, uh, you're saying that I trust you, that you are actually going to show me what I'm supposed to do as well. Uh, you have to be able to trust him fully, like, in order to even receive and to say, yeah, I think what you showed me that I'm supposed to do is a good thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, so you just have to, it requires the ultimate trust. You can't know what you're supposed to do before you trust God. You have to trust him before you know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, because like vocation is like first about like relationship with God, you know, all vocations are a relationship with God. They're like the specific means might look like something different, but a relationship with God is to trust him. So I definitely would agree. Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about just the, the importance of listening um, as it relates to discernment because I feel like a lot of um, my prayer life especially but just in general prayer life is focused on talking to God and telling him stuff like I am thankful for this forgive me for this um, and then worshiping as well but what is the power of silence and listening in the in terms of discernment it's along like because you listen when you're in prayer it's the most important thing you could possibly do in prayer right of even just attempting to listen because he knows that we're weak you know that we're little earthen vessels you know made of clay and so even just attempting to listen to him is all that he needs right um but if you can't right he knows the desires of your heart more and he wants to tell you about the desires of your heart but how can he speak if you're always talking over him right Mm -hmm. you know be like just like a one-person podcast it doesn't really work out that way <laughs> yeah, right. yeah i hope you guys like the two-person podcast <laughs> huh. and what does that listening look like is it just sitting in the chapel in silence or is it reading or okay so i think that it looks different for different people at different points in their life right so it can definitely look like just sitting in the chapel right and just like listening to the desires like a being aware of the desires that are coming up in your heart and the things that are coming up, right? Um, as you're like the distractions, right? Because God can communicate through even the, your distractions, you know, of what he's trying to tell you. Um, I think it can also look like uh, Lexio Divina, right? Meditating on things and the things that come to you and that, right? I journal a lot when I pray 
And so I might start out with something that like, oh, I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. You know, thank you for this. But then I might end up meditating on something about God, right? Which is not necessarily how I anticipated the prayer was going to go. And so just trusting that in that, right? That he's communicating something to my heart, you know? Because when you listen to God, you don't, you're probably not going to hear him saying, Ryan, do this thing, become a priest. Like, it's probably not going to happen. It's very rare that that does happen. Yeah, right. It'd be kind of creepy if it did, you know? You'd be a little <laughs> like, ooh, maybe I should go talk to a priest. That's scary, <laughs> right? Um, but it's just in, like, the quiet moments, you know, of, like, a certain word might catch your attention, you know, or, like, yeah. a line in scripture, you know, because he mm. just uses ordinary means to communicate to us. Yeah. That's uh, um, just with the silence, too. Have I didn't remember if you told me this or not. Did you read the book 12 Degrees of Silence? I have not read that okay. book. Sorry. Uh, all right. I'll just, I'll just I'll gloss over that then. Uh, but there's, like, you're just talking about various ways to sit in silence. Um, but it, it seems like in our world, it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder at us, uh, just trying to, like, inundate us with all the sort of noise. So we have to, like, intentionally build this silence into our day, like, make sure there's time for it. Um, I heard one person tell me once, they said, you spend pretty much most of your day going to classes, sitting in front of professors for 50 minutes to an hour and a half. Well, do you ever just sit in front of God listening to him that entire time, not saying anything in response? Uh, it really hit me. It's like, wow, if I'm doing this for professors, I should be doing this even more <laughs> so with God. Um, so it's like just committing myself to that silence, just sitting there. Um, and it seems like God does speak through silence too. It's, it seems like it's his, it's his language of love, uh, allowing us to enter into the uncomfortable, uncomfortability and just to trust that he's going to reveal something in that. Um, and it, like the trust itself, it seems, is building on the language of love too. Um, it's, yeah, it's, we, God has all these different ways to communicate with us, like silence and suffering that seems so counterintuitive. But they're extremely powerful when it comes to actually listening to him. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll hop on back here in a quick minute. So stay tuned, everybody, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. And we're going to get talking here about uh, specific specificalities of vocation real quick. So, uh, Amy, uh, we know that you've looked into a lot of different uh, pass. Uh, you mind talking about some of those and just uh, how you ended up where you're at right now, and also, I guess what I guess large capital V vocation kind of means to you at this point. Yeah, for sure. So my lowercase v vocation, right? And so maybe I'll talk about that first, just so mm. that way our audience knows what we're talking about. So capital V vocation is something that everyone has, right? It's our call to sanctity from God. Right. And then our lowercase v vocation. So the priesthood, married life, consecrated virginity, singlehood, things like that are paths which God uh, has crafted for each person that help them to attain to their capital V vocation. Um, and so just always finding like attempting with Jesus's help to reach the heights of sanctity, I think, is what it means. You know, that's what I want more than anything is to just teach me how to be holy when people you know, or in discernment groups or things like that. That's why I want you to teach me is how to be holy, you know, how to be a saint. Um, but in my specific lowercase v vocation, uh, it's been definitely a little rocky ride, but the Lord has taught me so much in that. So when I first um, received this vocational call, 
right? I didn't know anyone at Carroll. I didn't really know any professors. I didn't know Father Mark. So I was just like floundering for a very, very long time with this vocation, right? Because it's something if you have that experience of God asking something of you and you're not sure what, and then you don't know who to go talk to. It makes it really, really hard. Um, but then eventually I ran into Deidre, uh, who put me in touch with Father Bart, and they gave me some books, right? And one of these books was written by the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal, so their general superior. Um, and I read through it, right? Because it's like a vocate, like a discernment book. And so reading through that helps like clarify some things. And it included an orarium, so just their schedule for the day. Right. And I read through that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I put it to the side and just kept going to discernment group and things like that. Um, but then just wanted to take like the next step in my vocational call, because even at that point, I felt quite certain that this is what Jesus is, is asking of me. And that certainty isn't always there. So it's definitely a grace from God that that certainty was kind of there from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I reached I read back over that discernment book from the CFRs, the Franciscan Sisters. And I really read their orarium and I was like, wow, like this is all the things, right? They serve the poor, they're into evangelization and like their schedule just like fit what my life is like. I really enjoy the fact that they talk over meals because not all orders do that. You know, that's something I really enjoy. Um, And so I filled out the little application form online and their vocations directress gave me a call um, and just asked more in-depth questions. And then I asked her if I could go on a come and see, so a visit to the CFRs. Um, and so they're based in New York. So I flew out to New York over a spring break and went and looked at them and was with a couple of other girls who were also on their first come and sees as well. And so we spent about a week with the CFRs just living their daily life and they took care of everything for us. They just really made us feel at home. And in that, um, I really felt like at peace, but at the time I didn't know if I was ready to necessarily accept that peace. Right. So putting my own desires before the desires that God had actually placed on my heart and putting them before Jesus. It's like, oh, I really want to go look at contemplative orders. So like the Carmelites or Carthusians or things like that. Right. So over this past summer, I went for a come and see with the Carmelites uh, in my hometown. And it just, there was not peace at all. I, my soul was at war with itself. Right. I got about halfway through and I said, Jesus, I can't make it another day. Um, I didn't understand how I was supposed to keep making it for like the next few days uh, until my come and see was over, but he got me through it. And in that, I left that feeling so confused and so lost of I wanted to be a sister. I wanted to be a nun before I entered into my come and see with the Carmelites. And I left my come and see not desiring that at all, right? I had no desire whatsoever to be a sister like at all. I was like, I actually, I don't know what I want to do, but anything but that. You know, I still had that desire of Jesus, you've asked this thing of me in the past. So if you're still asking it of me now, I will do it. But my soul was just so at war with itself. And then again, in the summer, I had another opportunity to visit the CFRs. And I was really nervous, right, going into it. Like, what if what if it's the same experience I had with the Carmelites? What if it's this? What if it's that? And the very first thing I was able to do when I got there was to sit in an hour in adoration by myself. And there was just so much peace. There's just a wave of peace and joy that washed over my soul that I just wasn't expecting. And even though that was only a day long visit, I just felt so much at home, right? And so much joy in that visit um, and just the quiet, uh, calm and the certitude that no, actually Jesus, this is what you're asking of my heart. And I actually want to give this to you again. Uh, So that was just a really big relief, right? Of like, I didn't want to do this thing anymore. And now actually, no, I realized I still do. So at this point, I'm still discerning the CFRs, right? I'm planning on finishing college and everything 
in my conversations with uh, the vocation directorist and my spirit director and things, right? They're like, no, like you should finish college. You know, Jesus has you here for a reason, making these relationships with these people for a reason. Uh, so you ought to do the like ought to finish out those things, you know, for his glory. Um, but that's really where I'm at right now in my discernment process. So maybe looking at going on another come and see to the CFRs later on next year. Wow. That is a beautiful that's story. That's awesome. <laughs> what, uh, like at this point in time, are you just doing the same thing? Just going to prayer, just listening. I am trying to listen, right? So I'm always distracted in prayer. I feel like probably most people are always distracted in prayer, right? But I always intentionally set aside, set aside part of my day to pray, right? So I dedicate time in the morning to pray, and then I'll pray if I have time, please Jesus, throughout the day to do my rosary. I'll always make it to daily mass. Um, but in my prayer, especially in the morning, right, I try, the very first thing I try and do is sit down and just listen to God, right? Listen to the desires that are on my heart, the concerns that are on my heart, and then offering that up to Jesus, right? Definitely still listening, even though I do have that certitude, right? He could always call me into this thing just to call me out and teaching me things along the way. And so just always being open to, to whatever he's asking of my heart. You know, sometimes the thought does strike of like, why am I still here, right? If this is what I know Jesus is asking of me, right? But he is guiding me to sanctity through the things that he's having me experience now, right? And that like, there's no other way for me to get to that holiness besides what I'm going through now. And so just taking each day as an opportunity to be holier, please Jesus, mm. with his help. Allowing every moment to work for the greater glory of God. Nice. Uh, I have one quick question for you. Would you say that most anxieties have ceased at this point? I would say so. Um, you know, there are still times, you know, where the, the evil one comes in is like, actually, like, do you really want to do this, you know, or like, oh, like, wouldn't like married life or something like this be, be nicer, like the worldly things, wouldn't they be nicer, you know, and so just recognizing that those things do not bring peace, right? And then saying, turning to Jesus, especially Jesus hanging on the cross, you know, like Jesus, my soul is hurting in this way. I'm nervous about this thing. I'm worried about this thing. I can't seem to trust you right now in this thing. Help me to, right? Help me to deal with it. Um, and so I think learning how to do that is like the biggest thing that helps those anxieties, I guess I would say cease, even mm. though, right, that the evil one's always going to attempt to derail God's, God's plan for us and get us off those tracks. But just turning back to Jesus and saying like, help me, right? I'm weak. Yeah. Um, for me, one of the biggest things in my discernment life has just been finding freedom from these anxieties. Like last year, I'd say I was, I was rather anxious about quite a few things, especially discernment. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? There's only so much time and I just got to figure this out now. It's like, that's like me thinking about what I'm doing. Um, but this past summer, like I was in a place as counselor at a Catholic summer camp and that's literally just what I did this summer. And it was like God sitting me down and saying, just do this for right now and don't worry about anything else. And I came out of that with, uh, after being in prayer for a while and just sit, going to prayer every single morning uh, and just having that time to sit there and just to realize that it's not on my time. It's, it's entirely not on my own wants or desires, but it's like, just keep on showing up, keep on doing the same thing. God wants us to be free. He wants us to freely choose uh, what he wants us to choose. He doesn't want us to do it by anxiety or by pressure or by feeling that's something that we have to do or ought to do. He just wants it to be a fully free decision. Um, so that's what one of the biggest things is just like seeking to be free from anxieties and just trusting Christ, giving anxieties to him. Uh, and that's 
like ultimately just trusting him <laughs> going back to the theme of just just trusting him so i think in my own personal discernment uh right when i jumped in which was kind of this year more uh i was trying to bite off way more than i could chew and I, that's a very common mistake father mark was telling me that people make but i was like oh i'm going to dedicate an hour of my day every day to go like discern in the chapel and uh the problem is is that you like burn out in a sense a little bit like you do it for two three days and it's not consistent and then you start going through these big waves of like spiritual highs, spiritual lows and um though that's going to happen normally anyway with just desolation and everything but um you know it's it is like what you guys are talking about just like starting simple just committing every day of your life to god in kind of like the simplest ways and i just started just doing 10 minutes in the chapel every day in a rosary um which was a big step for me because i wasn't really doing that before and my prayers were more sporadic but now you know in the simplicity of it i'm finding truths in my life that i didn't normally find um i have a question for you i'm a, i'm sorry if it relates too much to the other question you asked about anxiety but how do you deal with doubts about it um and i think this relates but at the same time like i don't know if there's a feeling of i would get confused a little bit with doubts if it's like if i should accept the doubts and use it towards the sermon or if it is the evil one telling me to move away from it um how do you decipher through that doubt and what is truthful or not right i think the first thing when confronting doubt right that i always like have to remind myself right is it's too easy to take a hold of that doubt right because anything that destroys your peace is not of god Right. So just like knowing that like ground level, that anything that brings peace, like that takes away your peace is not of God. Right. Um, because like you look at him on the crucifix, he's the most peaceful, even in all that suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but when you are confronted with doubts, I always try and confront them in prayer. Right. Because that way I'm never alone, but I'm really, really not alone in that. Right. And I'm able to look at Jesus in the tabernacle, look at him on the cross, say, Jesus, like, this thing, right, is really, really bothering me. I don't feel adequate, right? The world is telling me I ought to get married or I ought to be a sister or I need to finish college or not finish college. Like, what do I do, right? Of just always turning to him in those doubts, right? Mm -hmm. So it's similar to the anxieties, but I would say it's like a little bit different of how the evil one gets in, right? Um, Because the anxieties like might encompass your entire life and the doubt might just be like that quiet little subtle thing at the back of your mind that you like keep having reoccur, but you're not entirely, like it doesn't always upset your entire life, right? But just always turning to Christ in prayer of Jesus. I'm feeling like this doubt right now, like I, maybe I'm actually not called to religious life, right? I've experienced that doubt. Of like maybe I'm just making it all up. Maybe I'm just crazy. And Jesus isn't <laughs> actually asking this of me, right? Um, and I don't know actually what I'm talking about and I should stop discerning right now. Right, because uh, you see how it snowballs, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, in that, right, it's something that you learn how to handle over like a long course of time, right? It's never gonna like ah, it's right away. Like I have no more doubts. I know exactly what I want to do. You know, I know exactly what Jesus wants of me. Um, but just continuing to show up in prayer and saying, "Jesus, this doubt is still in my heart. Jesus, this doubt is still in my heart. Help me, please." I also think it's important to distinguish that there's a difference between doubt versus a and versus just general unknowingness. Like I think you can just be unknowing of something, just to say I just don't know. Um, that's different than saying I doubt that I'll do that or I doubt it'll be that. And just having those, I guess, doubts of falling a certain way, because um, ultimately it's just got to be something that it'll eventually come to you. And then there's also a lot of times tied to the doubt fears and then the what if questions like 
you can get you can ask what if your entire life like you could be married uh, i had a friend point this out to me last night said you could be married and you could ask what if i was a priest or you could be a priest you ask what if i was married what ifs literally can plague the entire time so they're essentially like not even really worth looking at most of the time mm-hmm. um and the fears like fears all like the fear disturber the peace always from satan um he wants us to be afraid not free um and so just seeing what is more free versus what is more fear than the doubt uh, or anything like that allows us to discern like what are some feelings that we're having that are better and versus worse so mm-hmm. um one thing too i just want to talk touch on real quick is a vocation like it literally means a calling out um and oftentimes um we have like we've talked about especially the i guess supernatural vocation of just religious life priesthood um that sort of thing. Uh, there's also the, I guess, the natural calling too, I guess, of marriage. Um, and I think it's important to distinguish, like, we all kind of have, like, that natural calling, and it's whether or not God gives us the, the supernatural calling too, which I think probably is pretty clear once we do get to that point, because God's grace is either going to provide that or it's not going to. And yeah, so ultimately just trusting God's grace at the entire time is what's going to make the calling clear. And I liked how you touched on too the uh, the sanct- sanctity is our ultimate calling as well. Everything is ordered towards our holiness and our life in heaven with God and being in His His grace. Um, so we may say, "Oh, what if I end up doing the wrong vocation in life?" Which is obviously like probably a doubt that can plague us. Uh, but at the same time, if we just give it to God, He's going to bring us to heaven. So, yeah. Do you have anything else to add, Amy? <laughs> I don't think so, other than. Just like you said, right, like the underlying theme of this entire thing is trust, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think even for me, right, even in this vocational call that I'm experiencing, right, like I still don't trust Jesus in the way that I ought to, Mm -hmm. right? And so just continually asking for that grace, like, Jesus, I trust in you. Help me to, right? I I, am struggling to trust in you right now. Teach me how to, right? Mother Mary, you trusted in God completely. Teach me how. And so... Learning how to trust is like a lifelong process, but it's something that will ultimately bring us closer to God. Yeah. And for all your listeners who are wondering how to get on with this or how to like, I guess, seek this more, a really quick thing that um, that helped me a lot, at least in the beginning stages, was the litany of trust. It's very beautiful. Just sit with it. Pray with each of the intentions. Like you you could say it quickly and it'll help. And you can also just sit with each of the intentions for a few seconds and just meditate on them and it'll help a lot. Uh, so just tr- like just asking God to teach you how to trust him, <laughs> trusting God to show you how to trust. That's that's what yeah. it's about. Father Mark told me the other day, like just how the best way to learn how to wrestle is to wrestle. The best way to learn how to trust is to begin to trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you, have a, do you have a trivia question for us today, Ryan? I do. So this is pretty unrelated to everything we've been talking about, but I found it very interesting when I saw because I never thought about it. But... You guys have both had M&Ms before. So not the peanut uh, ones, but like the normal ones. What is the, like if you were to take a spectrum of all the colors and the number of the colors that exist and that are manufactured, what is the rarest color that you could find in a bag of M&Ms? Brown. Um, salmon. That is not a color <laughs> <No>. of m M&M. <laughs> There's like 
light green M and M's. There's gotta be that's not weird salmon. Though. I don't know, but like, there's gotta be a salmon M and M's. Oh, this is normal like, color M and M's. Yeah, in the normal oh, bag. Oh, oh, I just oh, oh. I tried to oh, okay, 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 establish okay. that in the question. Um, including peanut M and M's. No, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't listening. Yellow. Mm. The correct answer is brown. Oh, you got ah, it. so good. You're the second person. <laughs> Third person? I don't know. We have not had very many correct answers, so mm. good job. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast, and we really appreciate you going on. Thanks it for was awesome. Me. Um, if you guys have any questions or possibly want to be on the podcast or have suggestions for topics, you can email us at theboltruth at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. And remember to keep on thinking from BS to bold truth. Peace.